Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Sam Pinkham here, in for Chris, with this week's edition of the best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, legendary actor Mark Strong chats series two of the brilliant Sky original drama, Temple. The hilarious David Baddiel discusses his latest children's book, The Boy Who Got Accidentally Famous. Wonderfully wholesome TV presenter Holly Willoughby flicks through the pages of her new book, Reflections. And the one and only Richard Ashcroft shares all about his sixth album, Acoustic Hymns Volume 1, and his show at the Royal Albert Hall. All of that and so much more to come. Vassos, do tell us who's our first guest. You will know our first guest from pretty much any decent movie you've ever seen. He stars in season two of the smash hit Sky Original Temple, available on demand now. And here to explain how performing surgery under the underground is a thing, it's the immaculate Mark Strong. Mark Strong! Oh, Morning, Mark. Thank you. Thank Morning. you for having me. It's lovely to be here. The first thing I'll say is, as you said opposite me, you, you I mean, it sounds a ridiculous thing to say, but you do look just like Daniel Milton. <laughs> you even wear similar clothes to him. You must get recognised in the street all the time now, do you? Uh, sometimes, yeah. You know, uh, I've just been up at COP26, actually, making a speech up there about sustainability and drama. And I was amazed at how many people I was looking around at thinking, wow, you're really gr-. All the journalists, all the politicians, you're really efficient. They all just wanted to have a picture. Did they? Yeah. I was amazed <laughs> at that. Did you... Um, OK, well, tell us more about that then. What were you, what, What's your interest in, in, uh, in climate change? Well, and what Sky, were you- I didn't realise Sky's sets are all um, carbon neutral and they have a, 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 a great investment in trying to make everything, you know, uh, uh, climate change friendly. So we we realised that because we're in people's hearts and minds, we're in their homes with our with our TV shows, that actually choosing su- su- sustainability uh, issues in, their, in, in shows is a way of, of helping people understand the issues, basically. So I was up there just making a speech about, um, you know, how we, can, how we can change people's minds. It's funny you say, because my cousin is, a, is a, a, a video content producer and he's up there filming at the moment as well. And he says one of the, one of the challenges he comes against, up against is so many people feel negatively towards people talking about climate change. Yeah. And, they, and that, that's one of the, their biggest challenges, to change that and, as I say, using you up there to speak out for the people and people. I think the problem is that people don't know what to do, you know, and I was thinking, I don't really know an awful lot about it and uh, I should learn about it. But actually, I was talking to a scientist there and he said, no, you shouldn't. What you should probably do if you want to talk to people about it is admit to them that you know nothing either and take people on a journey and learn together how you can do stuff that's useful. What's What people get annoyed about is people telling them what to do. Yeah. That's very true. Mm. Okay, well, so let's, we, we've all seen Temple, but let's pretend we haven't. Okay. And, and, and we know nothing about it. Okay. For people who haven't seen it, tell us, can you tell us the plot, the premise? Yeah, this is the second season now. The first season was essentially about a guy trying to keep his dying wife alive by getting into an unholy alliance, it sounds bonkers as I say it, with a guy who has access to um, the uh, tunnels underneath Temple Tube Station. So in keeping her alive there, he agreed to do some illegal surgery to kind of pay his rent. Uh, at the end of the first season, and it won't be a spoiler to say this because it's been out there, is his wife wakes up. Mm. He's successful. So at the beginning of season two, you think it's all going to go swimmingly and everything's great, she's alive, um, but it doesn't. 
the plates all start spinning again, everything starts to go wrong, and basically you follow him trying to deal with the aftermath of everything that happened in, in um, season one. What's great about the series is it is brilliant and it's gritting oh, and, it's, and the drama is, is fantastic, but it's also funny. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's meant to be. I mean, it's got a really dark strand of humour. It kind of knows how crazy it is. That's what I like about it. And yeah, she, having had a, a funeral, now wakes up and, and walks around in the first episode meeting people who think she's dead. So there's loads of humour to be had in that. And uh, yeah, we just we, we cherry-picked all the best stuff that we realised that people like from season one, like that dark comic thread. And we've, we've put that into season two. Right at the start. It's, you know, thank you. For what? Well, not letting me die and dumping my body in the river. I know. What a great line. <laughs> yeah, it's a great line. And he says, my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you had something You had something to do with bringing it to, the, to our TV sets here, I gather. Uh, as an executive producer? Yeah. 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 Well, my wife, Liza Marshall, is the producer of the show, but um, she's made lots of films and TV in her time, and I've obviously been in lots of projects, and we thought, why don't we do something together? And we were trying to find something, and one day we were sitting on the sofa watching the pilot for this Norwegian show and uh, called Valkyrian, and we thought, that's amazing. that's kind of crazy and unique. And so we hopped on a plane, went over to Oslo, met the guys, said, can we adapt your show? And that became season one. And it was an adaptation rather than a copy because we took their characters and the storylines were quite different. The great thing about two, though, is that it's all our own work. It's, it's, uh, we had the platform of season one to jump off and we've created a kind of bigger, better, louder, bolder uh, uh, show that's turned everything up to 11. That's the way we see it. And so will the Norwegians copy you and take, take inspiration from series two to release their own second series? Maybe. I don't know whether I don't know what their, their um, attitude is. They never got a second series, unfortunately, when they did theirs. And maybe they're appalled at where we've taken their story. But we felt that um, it's the kind of TV that we like to make. You know, it's a little bit... Uh, the drama is, is intense. You know, there's a thriller element. Um, the medical stuff is fascinating, although it's not a medical show. There's a police story as well, which is the threat behind everything. Mm. Uh, and, we, yeah, we, and, and it's classy. We shot it like a classy, good, old-school um, piece of television rather than um, just sort of handheld and quick. We've made it look great. Uh, before you go, we need the Bond story. Tell us about the Bond story. Well, the Bond story that uh, I, I unfortunately let slip was that uh, I, I was up for uh, an audition for a Bond villain and... Um, this was before Daniel Craig was Bond, and we were mates from our friends in the north, and we were actually sharing a flat. And uh, the night before my audition, although I had prepared, I swear to God I had, we went out for a drink, and I slightly overdid it, unfortunately. I had a terrible hangover the next day, went in and collapsed, essentially. I mean, not physically, but just uh, emotionally, mentally. I couldn't remember my lines. Wow. It was so embarrassing. There was, I hadn't realised there'd be eight people sitting there and they were like off you go and I started and I dried I couldn't remember my line so I said can I start again dried again they said do you want do you want to hold the script which I was embarrassed by you know because I'd learned it I said no no I can and I tried a third time didn't work and they went just come and sit down and we'll have a chat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, the whole which thing film? it was a I, I can't remember the exact film but it was <clears throat> excuse me it was Pierce, Pierce Brosnan's tenure he was in it and uh I can't, Lee Tamahuri, I think, was the director. So that is... Do you know which one? That's Die Another Day. Die Another Day, there you go. It used to be the baddie in Die Another Day. I think Toby Stevens might have played it. Is it? Have you got that on there? I don't. Um, yes, 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 Toby yes. Toby Stevens, yes. In fact, there was a disused tube station used in that film as well. Oh, yeah. 
It's fate. That's it was fate beautiful. That what beautiful symmetry yeah. you've just created out of the air there. <laughs> and would you do it if they give you another? If, if they give you another crack at the whip? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, funnily enough, I was up at um, at, uh, at COP as I said with with Dana Strong, who is the overall head of Sky. And um, she loves the fact that we have this sustainability story in the second series, um, which we, you know, did way before we kind of considered that this would be, you know, that COP was happening or an issue. It's just something we kind of believe in. So we would carry that over into three. So maybe on the basis of that, yeah. we might get a third one. Beautiful. And, and good luck with Bond. if you get Thank you very much. Thanks so much for coming another show, go. I'll what try another time. Yes. <laughs> Okay, series two is available now. Sorry, tomorrow, nine o'clock, Sky Max. All seven episodes are available on Sky Demand. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's topped the charts. He's sold out arenas. He pretty much invented fantasy football. And he's a best-selling author. His eighth children's book, The Boy Who Got Accidentally Famous, is out now. And as you'd expect, it's absolutely hilarious. So please welcome a man whose fame is no accident. It's the brilliant David Baddiel. Morning, David. Thank you. Morning. How are you, Sam? You all right? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right, mate. But it, it, what I love is what I just told you. So my crown has come off my, one of my rear molars. Has it? And yeah. I said, do you know anything about teeth? And David said, I don't know, but I can have a look for you if you like. <laughs> well, well, I happen to have a look for you at your teeth. Uh, obviously not coming too close. But one thing I wanted to tell you is that I do have a very good dentist called Simon Godley, who used to be a comedian mm. uh, and still does a bit of comedy. And it's all the comedian's dentists. Oh, no, that's not the right. All the comedian's dentist. Right. right? So every comedian goes to Simon Godley. Uh, I'm advertising him now, but he's... He's got practice in Notting Hill. And sometimes I'm in there and like, I think, oh, look, isn't, isn't that Eddie Izzard? I wonder what his teeth are like. <laughs> yeah. Presumably there's a lot of smiling goes on. I'm sure there is. Yeah. And does he tell jokes while he's dentist? Yeah, he's dentistry? really funny. Simon Godley's hilarious, yeah. He used to be in a double act called The Nice People back in about 1987. And he's still, he's one of the funniest people I know, but he is a dentist rather than a comedian. So this is your fourth time on the show. Yes. And the yeah, last... La- so last time you came on the show, mm. um, and you were sat just there... I remember. You, you were saying... And Chris this Evans is, this was there is, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a bit ridiculous because I'm publicising a show that yeah. almost certainly isn't going to happen because it was the Friday before <laughs> Boris <laughs> announced the lockdown on the Monday and no-one yeah. knew what was going on. While you were in, yeah. Premier League matches were, were getting called off left, right and centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and I remember. Sort of, you, sort of, you said, well, the tour is meant to start next week, but... I think I actually said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be in Aldershaw. I'm going to... I started naming dates that I knew weren't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very surreal thing. But that tour, the very one I came in a year ago to publicise, finished two days ago. How did uh, it go? It was great. It was great. But it's very weird to put a show in the freezer for 18 mm. months. So it, it stopped in March 2020. It didn't start again when I came here to publicise it. And it finally started again in September. And I managed to get through to the end, to the finishing line the other day. And it was good, actually. It was good. It felt weird, but it also felt like audiences were so overjoyed to be back in a theatre that I had a head start in laughs, that people yeah. were happy, and I didn't have to do quite as much work to make them laugh as usual, because they'd come just joyful. And it didn't age, because it was about, you know... It was trolls, about trolls and social, social media, media and all that. I'm doing a documentary about that as well, actually. I'm doing a, do- a documentary which I've filmed, and which goes out on BBC Two on the 13th of December, about... It's called Anger, Social Media and Us. Uh, David Baddiel, Ang, social media and us. Like my name is in the title and everything. Uh, yeah, so that'll be interesting. And, and what's that, is that about helping people who also experience trolls or is it's, it anybody who... It's sort of a think piece about what the whole thing is doing to us. It's a sort of like, what have we done with this technology that is sort of designed to help us communicate, but it's just leading to people shouting at each other. Mm. Uh, and it's about how it's sort of, in my opinion, has raised the level of 
the temperature of all political conversation, all conversation. So everyone's cross all the time. And what does that mean? And it gives them a platform to speak out as yeah, well, which yeah, is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's, you know what? The only social media that I'm on is Instagram, and I, and I actually only feel better after being on Instagram because yeah. I look at other people. Yeah, because I, you know, it, le- it learns to know what you like. Right. And for some reason, I like. I don't know why, because I'm terrible at it, but I like dancing and I love right. watching people dance. So a lot okay. of my reels that come up on my on my feed are people dancing. So right. I feel always feel good after watching it. And I oh, also... Well, that's a great advert for social media. Well, it, it's it just is. people dancing and that's great. I yeah. mean, if only, if only that was all it was. Yeah, but that's the, and that's the thing, isn't it? A lot of my friends go on there and they feel drained after being on it and they feel that like they're not making success of their own life. Yeah. Do you, TikTok is good for dancing as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 You, you don't go on that? No, I'm too old for that. <laughs> right, too old for that. Yeah, I've only just about heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> but your but your but your tour trolls, not the dolls. So this is about addressing people who have trolled you and and how you cope with them. Yeah, with them. well, yeah, that show began with I don't know why I'm plugging this. Now I came on this year ago to plug a tour that wasn't happening. I'm now plugging a tour that's <laughs> finished. <laughs> why am I doing this? But yeah, it was about uh, how to sort of make it funny. Really, it's like how this is how you deal with it: all the anger and rage. You try and make it funny, and that's really what the point of the show was. David, why did you go? Why did you go into writing kids' books? Well, what happened was, my son, one day, my son Ezra, said to me, Dad, I think it might be even in, in this building. Anyway, uh, he said to me, Dad, why does Harry Potter not run away from the Dursleys, you know, the horrible muggle family? Yeah. He has to live when he's not at Hogwarts. Why do you run away from them and try and find some better parents? Uh, and I said, I don't know, but it's given me an idea. And then the idea was a world in which children can choose their own parents. It still troubles me that that idea came from my son. Uh, <laughs> he might have subconsciously been thinking, can, is it possible? Um, without going to social services. But I had that idea. And it's one of those ideas, right, where I just thought, that sounds like a classic idea, like for a children's book. Yeah, yeah. And I, I am, I'm from this kind of immigrant, lower middle class stock, where if I have an idea, I just think I have to action that in some way. Otherwise, someone else will do it, and then I'll be annoyed uh, that I didn't do it. And I hadn't written any children's books, and I wasn't bothered. I wasn't, didn't have this big thing of like, oh, I must be like David Williams. That's what comedians do. No, I just thought that's a good idea. I'll write that. And it's since sold half a million copies. Um, and there's a musical of it. Uh, I'm, doing, I'm working on with Dan Gillespie Sells, you know, of The Feeling. Yeah, yeah, And of course, he wrote yeah. Everyone's Talking About Jamie. So me and him are working on a musical of that. Well, you're, you're a busy chap. I am a busy chap. Two documentaries. You're about to go over to the States to, to be on Seth Meyers' show as well yeah. with your book, uh, Jews Don't Count. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to ask you more about that, but the, the fact is we just haven't got, we haven't got time we haven't today. Got time. But, <laughs> yeah. but it's an but it's but uh, absolute pleasure to meet you. You and too, to have you Sam. On. No, it's great. Uh, the book is called The Boy Who Accidentally Got Famous. It is out wherever you get your books from. Have a it little is. Google action for it and, and track it down and find it. And David, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. All right, All lots of love. Cheers, Take thanks. Care. Cheers, mate. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. If you're ever sat at home watching a massive show on ITV, there's a pretty good chance our next guest is presenting it. From this morning to Dancing on Ice to Celebrity Juice and even The Jungle One Year, her long-awaited autobiography Reflections is out now, so please welcome the national treasure who is Holly Willoughby. Morning, Holes! Good morning. Holly. Well, that was a lovely introduction. Thank you very much. Much, Vaz. He, he'll do it. He'll do it. I mean, you, you probably don't know this, but Vassos lives very near you, and he can do it wh- whenever you walk into a shop, whenever you walk down the road. He can walk ahead of you and do those interests, can't you, Vass? Oh my God! Yeah, please do. You walk into I'd Barnes Pantry, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> it's Holly Willoughby. <laughs> a bit crazy. I don't think that's too much at all. Uh, so, Holly, we are your twenty seventh interview of the day. We're definitely going to be your most fun. But apparently, you've got builders. Your neighbours got builders, and you're worried about the noise. 
I was just wondering whether you might hear some clunking going on in the background, but I think they've uh, settled down a little bit now. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure I was loud and clear for you this morning. What are they doing? As an extension, do you get on I don't know, actually. Do you know what? I'm not too sure, but there's things going on. It's quite a busy road. There's always always life happening around, but I guess that's part of living in London, isn't it? Hi, Holly. It's Rachel here. Um, Hi, Rachel. I got a a copy of your book yesterday um, at about Mm. one o'clock and I sat down and started reading and, and I just mainlined the whole thing. I got the kids home from school, sent them out into the garden and I just sat and devoured it. I'm similar age to you, three kids as well. And one line that really spoke to me was your line, now that my children are older, I have some time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is no doubt that this book has been born out of where I find myself in life right now. And you will First of all, thank you for reading the book. Like that's for me, the success of this book is hoping people read it and then pass it on to a friend because, like you've just said, they've devoured it and it resonates with them in some way. But I think that I can't. I, I've sort of reached the point where, for a long time, I've been coasting through life and sort of coping and getting on with this huge to-do list of that you get with the busyness of life, whether that's being a parent or your job or your career. And I think that at the moment in life, we kind of end up high-fiving ourselves for being incredibly busy. It's like it's like a badge of honour to sort of sit down at the end of the day and be utterly exhausted. Um, and I, I mean, everything in my life is... I have a, I'm very blessed, I think. I have a wonderful husband and my children and I love my career, but there felt like there was something that was missing somehow. And I, and I thought, God, what is this? What just doesn't feel right? What's going on here? And the more I sat still and the more I sort of started to tune within and think about things, I, I realised the thing that was missing was me and I'd sort of dedicated every part of me to all these like tiny little pieces of me were going in all different areas of life and I just needed to pull a little bit of it back because I'd lost myself a little bit. And it's that multitasking that you talk about as well. And you you said, you, you know, you added more and more jobs to your to-do list, almost as though you'd get some sort of reward at the end of it for ticking it all off. And it's it's about making the time to sit down and look at yourself and how you're yes. actually feeling. And that's the scariest thing to do. So in some ways, it's much easier just to fill it up with silly little jobs that aren't actually that important. I think there's two reasons why we do it. I think the more busy we are, the more validated we feel. And I think that that's us almost saying to ourselves, if we just sit with ourselves, that's not good enough. We have to be doing something. And that's a bad message in itself. And the other reason is sometimes to sit with yourself and listen to your own head is the scariest thing to do. And we're not ready to do that yet. Or we don't want to know what's in there for fear of what we might bring up. And so we just keep running and we keep going. And I think sometimes we just need to ask ourselves, you know, are we running to something or are we running away from something? And you know what? That stuff will come up at some point in your life. And if you don't deal with it in a safe way at the right time for you, then at some point it will come out sideways. So I think it is just good to just to take the time to look after yourself. Uh, Holly, you don't describe this as an autobiography, but it's also not a self-help book. So how would you describe it as a book? Really hard, isn't it? Well, I find it really hard because I keep trying to explain it. Yeah, I think it is kind of an emotional outpouring. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of, it's kind of me unzipping my head and putting it out there on on the pages. Um, the the it just it felt for me it felt like it needed to be written. It just sort of the moment that I started the way I wrote it actually was voice notes. So my phone is chock full of all these voice voice notes. And actually, it started out really as a way of me getting out what was in my head. Sorry, can I just, can I just interrupt head. you, Holly? I'm so sorry. You did you recorded this into your phone on voice notes? Yeah. 
Yeah. So you were out, out, out and about doing whatever, and you say, "Oh, I've got another thought." And then, and then, what did you do with them? Yeah, exactly that. So then I would just come home and I would sit there and I'd put records on and I just start talking and talking and talking. And honestly, it was like, it was like it just fell out. It just fell out, and there it was. And wow. And I thought that it would remain in voice notes. It was never meant to be a book. It was never meant to be published. It was never meant to see the light of day. It was purely a selfish thing for me. Right. And um, and then I was talking to a friend of mine, Felicity, who's a, who works in, in publishing, and she and she said, oh, you know, would you send me it? And I was like, oh, God, no, you really, really don't need to hear that. And after a while, I was like, all right, well, look, I'll send this to you. And it's, it's scary because, you know, it's... Very There's personal. a lot of me out there, but not yeah. this bit of me, not like this real kind of. Yeah. This feels like the most personal, private thing I've ever, I've ever done. So, and there it is. Well, it's so, working. It's, it's really hard Ollie, to describe. I still haven't described it, have I? But <laughs> no, you, you, you haven't. But I think, I think, I think you probably sold it. I think you haven't described it. You just listen. This has helped you, Rachel, hasn't it? So Absolutely, it Polly. Thank you. Oh, Rachel, that makes me so happy. <laughs> thank you. So the book is called Reflections: Life Lessons on Finding Beauty Inside and Out. Holly Willoughby, what an absolute pleasure. Lovely to to, to meet oh. you. Although you're not here in, in front of us, I you're know. In your house. I wish I was. And well done you. You're doing a sterling job. Oh, Hero, bless you, save bless the day. You, bless you. All right, darling. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Lots of love. Holly Willoughby. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From way out space rock to generation-defining anthems, our next guest has been there, done it, and sold the T-shirt at his gigs. His new album, Acoustic Hymns Volume 1, is out now, so please welcome a man so ingrained in the fabric of British guitar music that without him, it just wouldn't fit. It's the majestic Richard Ashcroft. Morning, Rich. Good morning, good morning. Morning. What an intro. Thank you for that. Cheers. So give us, give the people listening to the radio an update on what you told us off the radio just now as far as uh, the, the monitors. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, as I arrived, there's a little uh, waiting room with a monitor on it. These guys, there was a track playing, so obviously <laughs> they're... They're taking a minute, and it did look a bit zombie dawn of the dead, I must admit. <laughs> it did look a bit zombie-ish. But I take my hat off to you lot, because I said to you guys just before we went on air, I think it took me two years to recover from that six o'clock session I did on the, I think it was like the first week the show opened, wasn't no, it? No, you were the first person ever to make play any live. music on this yeah, brand yeah. new show. Not only play live, but you was the lucky man, wasn't it? Yeah, like fantastic, yeah. And it was nearly three years ago. Incredible, yeah. So it's taken you three years to recover three from, years. from one early start. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you guys do it, but it's great. Great. Keep it up. Keep Mate, it going. we absolutely love it. And thanks for doing what you're doing. So uh, here we go. Acoustic Hymns Volume 1. I listened to you yesterday. It is a glorious revisiting of what and why, Richard. Yeah, it's a revisiting of... It starts around 97. The songs I wrote for Urban Hymns, some of those classics, um, continues through my solo career to about 2008. So there's about a 10-year period where I pick a, some classics from that period and redo them. Um, a number of reasons, really. A... A, it was in my contract to do because we had this amazing idea. Look, we're going to do acoustic hymns. We're going to take it around the world. We're going to play Australia in the um, the concert hall. We'll do an orchestra there, maybe Milan. And we had a great idea a few years ago how this was going to be presented to the world. Of course, the world's changed a little. I won't be doing that. But in the midst of the sort of lockdown mindset, I just felt like it was almost like I got this impression that I might not ever record again. Or I might not play alive again. Who knows? So I just felt now's the time. I've got to get out. I've got to get recording. I've got to phone the musicians. Got to get motivated. Got to create, you know. And also, I think to have that 
some of those feelings and emotions, it's not just nostalgia from that period. I think it's quite important right now just to remind ourselves a little touch of what was going on before all this in a way as well. And let's not just leave it all behind, you know what I mean? Let's let's keep hold of this good stuff that we had already, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I get it completely. And you talk about motivation and you talk about panic and fear there in yeah. the middle of, of lockdown. And listen to your songs yesterday and having known you for many years now and, and grateful for, for that knowledge. You know, when, when I listen to a song like uh, This Thing Called Life, right, which I absolutely adore. I adore all these songs, right? But This Thing Called Life for me has a, yeah. it has a lightness of touch about it, but that doesn't mean that it isn't profound. Um, and as I was listening to the opening the lyrics, I thought... Do you write songs because you have feelings inside that you want to get off your chest and get out there, which is, is helpful in so many ways and beneficial to, to, to so many of us because of the fact that you're the one thinking and writing those things down? Or do you write them because you're a musician and that's what you sort of have to do? That's a good question, actually. I think it's a necessity. Once I found that it was um, a process that I got so much sort of pleasure and relief from and... Uh, and a way, like you say, of channeling that, that you know, I take someone like, say, Tyson Fury with his recent fights and the way he came back from his own struggle and the way he found that gym and the focus on the getting fit again helped so much with the mental side. So I think for me always it's been that, it's been that escape, but also in a way now looking back at these older songs, they're almost talking to my older self. They're almost... Um, you know, I'm getting more out of a looking man now than I probably was at 27. And I'm, you know, and that's that's the interesting thing. But say an album like These People, I looked, I played a few tracks from it the other day. They don't own me and a few of the songs. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's five years too early. I should have it out now. So sometimes it's almost, if you're lucky and you let yourself go. And I think that's the thing with people. It's not rocket science. And I'm no, by no means some genius or anything like that. Anyone can do it out there. And that's why at the beginning of, this thing called life, it says, ah, oh, six strings, three chords, big dreams. And that's the cliche, but it's true. Two chords, big dreams. And I felt like over the last 18 months, certainly when my sons and seeing the, how the young ones, the pain they've had to go through and so many great plans probably having to be, you know, stopped. We don't know how many young bands may not have happened over the last 18 months because they're such pivotal moments in their lives when they meet their the guitarist or the keyboard player at college or university, etc. So really I felt like I was doing it, you know, some of the stories I got from the musicians from what they'd been through, and this was the first bit of music they'd done recording on the record. It really brought it home to me that this is worthwhile doing, not just, just for me, but, you know, for the musicians involved, for all of us, for an industry and also for the younger ones, because it'd be easy for me. I'm Mr. Prepper. If, you know, if I want to say goodbye to the world, you won't see me for 15 years. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll be fine. But when you have children, you, you kind of have to project to the future and you have to say, no, I'm going to have to try and keep much more of a positive attitude that I'm carrying on. You know, you'll get your, your dreams can be realized too. I'm not just going to close the door now amidst all this and not come out for 10 years, you know, and say enough's enough. I, f I sort of felt the challenge again. It feels challenging now. It's challenging to put shows on. You never know what's going to happen. So some people thrive in that and some people kind of, you know, fall away. And, it, you know, sometimes it's 50-50 whether you're going to be the one who ends up in, in inertia and never coming out or the one who says, no, I'm recording the record. I'm doing some shows. I'm out. I'm living. Let's go for it. Let's be positive. Let's get on with life and let's do what we're good at. You know what I mean? 
Rich, great to see you, man. Great to see you guys. You All are the best. awesome. You are awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've heard from a ton of sensational guests already, but still to come. Thespian Alan Cumming reveals all from his new autobiography, Baggage, Tales from a Fully Packed Life. Awesome American comic Eliza Schesslinger tells us all about travelling the world on her Back in Action tour. Sky's product guru Fraser Sterling shows off the brilliance of the new game-changing TV Sky Glass. And the brilliant Irish comedian Jason Byrne joins us in the midst of his audience precipitation tour. So, let's get right back to it. Vassos, who's next? He's been performing across the country almost every year for a quarter of a century and he's only getting funnier. Tickets are now available for his audience participation tour. So please welcome the Dubliner that'll have you doubling over. It's the hilarious Jason Byrne. Morning. Morning, Jace. <laughs> How but are you, Saul? When you hear when you hear an intro like that, do you think, I want Vassos involved in my live shows or you don't? In my life. In your life. Mm. <laughs> yeah, wanted, everywhere I go, going into supermarkets, everywhere, into rooms, I need Vass to do that for me. Every do you know what I mean? Am I remembering this right, Jason? Last time you came on the show, were you about to go and meet Bono later that morning? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was sitting with Chris, right? And oh, lots of love to Chris. Hope he gets well soon. Because I know he's listening to make sure that you're not as good as him. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> I told Chris that I... I had a, I had just had a phone call the day before from Bono mm. to ask me to do something, and I couldn't tell him what I couldn't tell Chris what it That's was. It, yeah. And Chris went, "Oh my God, what are you doing to me?" And I said, "I'll have to tell you when I come back." That was 2019, the last time I was in Britain. You know what I mean? It? Right. So what happened was Bono. I'd never met Bono, and he rang me the day before I went on Chris's show, and Bono just went, and I just got this phone call, and all I heard was. Jason Byrne, like this. And I was like, hello? He goes, yeah, it's Bono. And I just went, I can't believe it's Bono. Oh, hi, Bono. So I I had to do a surprise party in Dublin for his best mate, Gavin Friday. It was his 60th birthday, right? And apparently Gavin loved my stand-up. Okay, so I asked Bono, I said, okay, I'll do it. Okay, Bono, I said, but is there a stage and a light? Like, well, I'm not walking into a weird room. Like, do I have a microphone? And Bono went, yeah, man, no problem. Like, he literally does all that kind of singing talking. He's brilliant, right? So I went into a restaurant in Dublin and I walked in and there was people all over the place. They were all drinking, walking around, uh, talking. Uh, there was Killian Murphy there, you know, Killian yeah, from uh, Peaky Blinders. Yeah. The Coors were there. The Edge was there. Jim Sheridan, Neil Jordan, right? And oh I'm going, God. what am I doing? <laughs> right? And so I got up and I there was no stage. There was no lights, right? There's no microphone. I was just, I was, no, there was no microphone. <laughs> I met, I met Bono's mate, just bought a friend of Bono's. And he said, oh, thanks for doing the gig. Can you just stand there and start talking? I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just 
just stood at a bar, at a bar, and this guy, right, uh, Goodie, go, I can't remember Goodie's, is it Goodie? Oh, my people are going to kill me now. It's one of Bono's best mates. He just said, he just went like this, started clapping, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, Jason Bourne is going to do stand-up, right? <laughs> how many people then, How many people in the room? There must have been a hundred people there. Oh You're my. talking top stars, movie stars, directors of movies. <laughs> so I stand there and I go, hello. And the minute I went hello, it was amazing. They all sat down, turned around, looked at me, and there wasn't a word out of them oh, because wow. they're all performers. Yeah. So they all understand they res- what I was about to do. They so they yeah. all, they stay quiet. I did the gig for Gavin Friday, who was, who was um, first of all, my opening line was, Gavin, you know, Bono says that you thought I was uh, really funny. Uh, you know, uh, and I know the way you're looking at me right now that you, me- you meant Ed Byrne, not Jason Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> but this was the best thing ever. The best thing ever was straight after I did it. I did about half an hour. We had a great laugh. The Edge comes up to me and he goes, this is the nicest man to ever walk the planet, right? And he looks at me and he goes, Jason, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for that, right? Because he knew I'd no microphone those days. I said, I said, yeah, I know. Bono said he'd have lights and a stage. And the edge goes, Bono? How in the name of God is Bono going to order lights and a stage? He says he's never done it like that in his life. He says everybody else does that. And the edge just kept hugging me, right? And then I just heard, this is such a rock and roll thing. All I heard was, Jason Byrne. And then the, the room just parted and Bono just came up to me and he grabbed my arm and he says, you with me now. And then we sat down and we spoke for about an hour, just me and him oh talking about our dads. And oh. it was just the best, best night ever. Like, just amazing. Is, and there was no, and you know what was really cool? Everybody looked, no photographs. Nobody took photographs of anybody. Do you know what I mean? Nobody had any cameras well, or anything They were all like famous. That. If you were all famous, yeah. Because, then, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. everybody in the room was massively <laughs> famous. It's like, what, what do you want a picture of me for? So, yeah. But you know, oh, with the, the, micro, the microphone is an amazing thing because as a, as, a, as a presenter, but 100% as a comedian or a comic, yeah. the, the microphone is everything to you, isn't it? Because you can use it. Like, I'm using it now to go quieter. Or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's yeah. your props to, have, to not have a mic. I can imagine your heart must have been racing, mate. But what an audience to perform to. Yeah, I know. I mean, and you're looking at directors of movies, and if you don't do well, they're thinking well, he's never going to be in a yeah. movie of mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> you you know, are. I, and Killian Murphy's going off to do Peaky Blinders, going, God, you won't, you won't believe who I seen last night. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> and yeah, and then the Edge writes a song about you called Jason Byrne dies <laughs> on his bottom at a gig. <laughs> what? It could have been a disaster. Oh, buddy, oh. listen, Jason, your 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 stand up tour continues. It sounds amazing. Can we come? Can Vassal's I come to one of your gigs we'd love to come yeah it sounds well, awesome I'm in, Le- I'm in Leicester Square next uh, uh, in two weeks uh, if you go to jasonburn.ie you'll okay. find all the shows and tonight I'm in Leeds City Varieties and then I'm in Durham and then I'm in Stockton we'll come so buddy we'll come. we'll come we'll oh, come please please come and look at my audience park Precipitation. Precipitation. <laughs> formerly precipitation jasonburn.ie yeah jasonburn.ie to get your tickets yeah yeah, the Irish internet. We bought it ourselves. Good man. We own it. Good man. All right. What an Thanks absolute fans. pleasure. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Jason Burn, baby. Cheers. Man.
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Our next guest is a comedian, actor and TV host who's so good, like Pele or Adele, we all just know her by one name. Eliza is the hilarious supernova in the middle of a world tour, squeezing us in between Switzerland last Sunday and Chicago this Friday. So please welcome the simply unstoppable Eliza Schlesinger. Hi, you guys. You said we only know about her name, but then you use her full name, and it's Schlesinger. And that's the reason we use the one name, because we try to avoid this part of the program. uh, Also, when you say that routing, it makes it look insane. I just want to, I've been in Europe for a month, and this, these shows at the Edmonton Apollo are the, like, anchor to the Europe tour, so we're so excited to be in London to round it out. So you were in Switzerland until Sunday. So Sunday night you performed, what was that like? I mean, because they're a bit boring in Switzerland, aren't they? What was it like as an audience? Are they listening? Does this go there? Huh? No, we're not on air. We can, we can edit this bit out. What are they really like? Oh, it's just the, only the Swiss audience can. They were great. They were super cool about me making fun of uh, how white they were. Right. I was like, even your immigrants are white. And you'd think one of them would have brought over a pepper or something. Like, when, when I said this is not live, this is live. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, okay, it's live. okay, right, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, right, okay. I, I, I don't know if you know, I'm a stand-up comic. Yeah, and, no, uh, no, There's okay, no rules. Okay, okay. They were They were great. I love any any crowd that's willing to laugh at themselves, and uh, they were outstanding. We had a great time. Is it, is it true you want to learn some Swiss-German because... Explain to me how the language works in Switzerland. Oh, it's it's called Swiss German. So it's like a couple degrees removed from German, but it's different. And it's different enough that when you do all the German, you you spent five weeks practicing for your trip. They're like, no, like it's just and I'm like, I know, you know what I'm saying. You're like, all I want to order is coffee with milk. And they're just like coffee with milk. Okay, you're like, could you just just hand me a bone? I've been practicing for five weeks. I took Duolingo. I spent $80 to learn like six German phrases and all I know how to say is wo ist die Eule which means where's the owl why anyone would want to know that <laughs> and where did you find the owl I never found it no. the Germans are very secretive they, as you know they hide them <laughs> but they were a great crowd too <laughs> so, so Switzerland on Sunday uh, London tonight and tomorrow, you've sold it tomorrow night so tonight apparently there's two tickets left for tonight so there's only want, two. It's two, it's two there's only two and people are gonna it's whoever's strongest gets them yeah yeah, we fight. They fight for them. Yep, on Eliza.com. Yes, on Eliza.com. That's, that's where you want to go if you want to go and see Eliza live tonight. Then you take then off you your shirt, jump in the pit, and then and then you're in Chicago. 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 But, but this is Radio UK, so you know, unless you're taking a business trip, I don't think that's a, much of a crossover audience. It, no, but what I'm making the point I'm making is that you move from you move all around the world as part of your tour. Yes. How? And then you but you also incorporate in your gigs because we've been watching on, on, on Netflix a lot of local information so you do spend a lot of time learning about the area that you're going to be performing to uh, a little bit you know you, you, you don't want to come in too hot with like political takes of like a, cli- a climate you don't fully understand so you do one or two jokes like about local food or something but they're there to see the act uh, and they are my guinea pigs because this act is going to be the next Netflix special and so we're just touring it I'm going to shoot it after I have my baby and then uh and then that's what people are going to see. So if you're seeing me now, that's what's going to be on the on Netflix. Well, let's talk about your baby. You're seven months pregnant. Let's talk about that baby. But wait, can I say one thing? You go on. Uh, you got the TV up because yeah. you were watching my sketch show. Yeah. And it's like, also you could watch... Oh, okay. Because it also has Our Planet. And I thought they'd recommended a show about apes you know, because that's... you watched my special. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's... Because I feel like a gorilla lately. Oh, friend. You're the smallest seven-month pregnant person I've ever met. Yeah. I'm going for a record. Are you? I keep that baby small. I'm like, we are adhering to Hollywood body types. She already is too old to model. Keep that baby small. It's a joke, folks. Don't write in.
You you would say that seven months was your favourite part of pregnancy, wasn't it, Rach? Yeah, yeah. Past the morning sickness and you're glowing. But um, Eliza, I watched your Netflix special on Veils. And what one of the things I loved most about it is that when you just turn it on, if you didn't know what it was, it looks like the start of like an arena rock star. Yes, you get it. Because it's all the pyrotechnics. Thank you. And you just march out there and you own it. Thank you. How yeah. involved do you get with planning all of that? The the pyrotechnics were my idea and uh, full disclosure, they were very expensive <laughs> and we're not going to do that again. And you have to do like safety rehearsals and stuff so you don't catch your hair on fire. Um, but yeah, they, they were my idea. I thought it'd be cool. And the blood at the end. <laughs> I was love also that. My, yeah, no one has ever said that, so I do appreciate that. <laughs> what was what was the ingredients again? It was corn syrup and oh, I think you can make fake blood. I think it's corn syrup and, and red food coloring. Those were capsules, okay. and I, I remember putting them in my mouth. I was like, "Here goes." Hope the people appreciate it. They don't. But you owned it. Thank you so much. And the dog, the little doggy at the start with yeah, the veil. Was that your... That's that was my dog. She passed away, um, but she was in every Netflix special. We had special outfits made for her. Thanks for the budget, Netflix. Special outfits made for the dog. I sound like a crazy person. And I have a new dog now who is not, who's pretty stage shy. So oh, okay. she will not be making it. No, it's not in the contract. It's not in the contract. Who no. does, who, what, 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 what is in store for this tour, entrance wise? For the, I have no idea. I don't know what I'm going to call it. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I just, all I know is the material, which some would argue is the most important thing. But as a woman, I'm like, nope, costumes, lighting, <laughs> and the way I walk out there. So I got to think about that one. So, so, okay. So how does this work? Then you work with Netflix. They say to you, we want another, we want to make a, another, another series for you. You go off and you, do do you create your content, your onstage, onstage content for a Netflix TV show? Or do you just do the show anyway and they take out the best bits that they want? No, no, no. They're very, uh, very hands-off when it comes to letting creatives be creative, which is why I got to do so many themes and I got to have that blood and that fire. And so, I'm sorry, just burp, but as a pregnant woman, I was like, I shouldn't even say sorry. Let it out, let it out. It's not my fault. Uh, I just tour and you build, I, I build the hour and then I call when I'm ready and I say, hey, I'd like to do this. And then we figure out a time frame to do it. And so it's just, that's what you're always working toward is that hour that you can show people and then tour it and then throw it all away and start over again so this is this comes from you know corona happened i toured during the bulk of that and i threw all that away because i was just like this no one wants to talk about this virus anymore and so this is all brand new stuff and eliza thanks for coming in and have a safe flight back to the states thanks for having me you thanks guys. for coming to the show we'll see you soon Thank eliza you. what a pleasure the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio ah next guest is one of very few people in the world who can say they made back-to-back films with stanley kubrick and the spice girls his new book baggage tales from a fully packed life is out now and it's getting rave reviews across the board so please welcome a man bringing the very best sort of baggage it's the brilliant Alan Cumming! Hello. How was that? That's pretty good. Look at your suit, sir. It's nice, isn't it? Oh, it's fabulous. I've decided to, since the lockdown, that if I have to get dressed up, I'm going to wear things that are basically suits that are pyjamas. This is is Oliver Spencer, and they they make clothes for, like... Like, you look stylish, but you're basically in your pyjamas. In what what way? It's 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 very comfortable? It's comfy, it's got a little drawstring. It's It's a suit. Oh, this one doesn't, actually, I'm lying. But they're just really comfy... And sort of, you know, like rompery. 
But isn't it great that you can wear a suit these days with trainers? As I say, you're wearing trainers. Yes. And it's the, it's the way you do it. It's the way you do it. It's, it's the way to go. You don't have to put on these stiff old brogues anymore. I know. My, I have a friend in, in New York called Carmine. He's like a really sort of traditional. He's like, hey, AC. Like that. And he hates when he, when he comes and he's a driver. He comes and picks me up. If I'm wearing sneakers with a suit, he's just like... <laughs> I can't look at you. He's just horrified. <laughs> well, if you're a shoe, if you're a shoe person, then you love your shoes. Then I get it. I get it. But I love, I love the train. I love a sneaker. Yeah. I was on. I was on. I told you yesterday. I did a thing for the Greek Tourist Board on stage at the XL mm. on Monday, and the Greek Tourism Minister, very high up in the Greek government, he was also on stage with us, and we just did this thing. I'm Greek, and we were, we were sort of selling Greece, and he was in a suit, as you'd expect from a politician with a tie, looking very smart. And I, I, for my, for me, I was looking very smart. I had a flowery shirt, I had a blazer, and I had sort of designer sneakers. Um, they had an orange stripe down the middle, and he made a he made a point a couple of times of saying, "You're wearing sneakers." Both off stage before we went <laughs> on, and, and on the stage. Really? Yeah. Oops. Yeah. It's like, like your driver. They get on. Yeah, Carmine and <laughs> yeah. the Minister of Greece. <laughs> it's like when you don't wear a tie to a wedding. You know, you don't wear t- I don't wear ties to weddings anymore, but you always get told off by someone's granddad. I grand think that's going to... I think the pandemic has changed. It's been like there's going to be, you know, reverberations of things that we're not even knowing about yet, about ways we behave and, and, and just how we live for comfort now. And hopefully we'll be nicer to each other. I think it'll be nicer because we've spent so long having to think about how our behaviour affects other people. I'm optimistic and slightly Pollyanna-ish, and I don't care. Well, well, I mean, you live in New York. I do. And we all, we obviously all, all watched how things were handled over the state. How was it for you, at lockdown for you in New York? Um, well, it was pretty good, actually. I was here doing a play until, you know, waiting for Boris to actually make a decision and shut down the theatres. And that didn't happen. We shut down the theatre and I went back to New York. And I went, I didn't stay in the city. I went to have a place in the Catskills. So I spent most of my, um, of the pandemic up in up in the up in the hills. Oh, lovely! It was absolutely lovely. Oh, lovely! Yeah, I just was like a country gent. I've become a country gent who goes to town and, and instead of a city slicker who goes to the country. So love it, love it. And you got got all the gear to go with it. This um, is a bit country gent. It is, it isn't it? You just need a shotgun on your shoulder now. <laughs> uh, Alan, Chris is gutted not to be here today. He absolutely <coughs> he loves your book. He oh, that's loves so nice. it, and yeah, he really is gutted to not be here today to chat to you himself. But he's not he's not alone. Stephen Fry wrote this to read uh, baggage. This is the name of uh, Alan's book. Is to spend time with the most engaging companion in the world. Charm, wit, insight, uh, intracingly disarming self-knowledge, hilarious stories uh, by the bas- by the basketful. Alan Cummings' attributes are endlessly enriching and enchanting. Only one negative. Uh-oh. I just had to see the right-hand page count. The pages yet to be read, thinning down and reminding me like a tolling bell that this joyous ride was coming to an end. <laughs> what, what a review. Know, that's pretty good. That's oh, pretty bless good. him. From Stephen Fry. Love Stephen Fry. So can you tell us about how your auto... I mean, I can guess how it came, came about, but the story of putting it together, your autobiography. Well, it's one of these things... I wrote another memoir before this called Not My Father's Son. It was more about sort of stuff from my childhood. And then, and really what this book is, why I wrote this book is because the reaction to that book, which was great, I have to say, but there was a sort of a rhetoric after it that, you know, I wrote about this sort of child abuse, the stuff that happened to me. And um, there was a sort of a rhetoric about Alan has overcome, Alan has triumphed, Alan is all better now. And I just sort of thought, I don't really think that's a really a positive thing to be out there in the world because I'm not over it. And people who've had trauma aren't over it. You just learn to manage it and you just, you know, you make mistakes and you, you kind of stop, break the cycles and all these things. So I sort of started this book trying to show 
all the mistakes I've made <laughs> in my life since and many of the relationships that weren't very good for me but I was kind of repeating patterns that I, you know, I was familiar with, all that stuff. So it's kind of like I'm saying, please don't buy into the Hollywood ending and yet I tell you all about my Hollywood life as well. And it goes from the end of my first marriage in 1994 to my second marriage in 2007. I, said, I, was, I meant it to come up to the present day, but I just wrote too much. So I thought, I would, I thought I'd bookend it with weddings. It felt like you really had fun writing this from the very off. I mean, listen to this, everyone. OK, this is Alan writing. I'd recently played Hamlet in London's West End to great acclaim, followed immediately, and Mark Strong was mentioning this, actually, by the Master of Ceremonies in Cabaret. Save your applause. This will keep happening. You, <laughs> must, you, must, have, you must have really enjoyed writing this. Well, I like it. I, like, I do enjoy it, because I like being able to sort of, like, directly address the reader like that. And yet, at the same time, to be able to say, you know, what I think are quite profound things and about how how I'm living my life and the, and the lessons I've learned. And it's a good, it's a nice, I think I've found my voice, both literally and metaphorically, actually, in terms of how to communicate with people. It's such a great thing, actually. I feel this whole new area in my career where I'm connecting with people in a way through these books. I mean, Alan, I could sit here and chat to you for hours, <laughs> but we only have four minutes left of the show. Oh, no. Yeah, so we're going to have to say goodbye. I'm oh, definitely... Well. We're going to come and see you in your nightclub, and you've got a nightclub in New York, haven't you? Club coming. We're going to yes. come. We're going to come and see fun. you. It's such fun. Alan's book is called Baggage Tales from a Fully Packed Life. Get it wherever you get your books from. Alan Cumming, thanks for coming on the show. What a pleasure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Bassos, over to you. Tellies used to take up half the room and be black and white, but now you hardly know they're there, and they have one billion colours. The new game-changing Sky Glass TV is available now. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who definitely knows his glass from his elbow. It's the <laughs> Group Chief Product Officer at Sky, the Sterling. Fraser Sterling! Morning, Fraser. What's happening? How are you, big man? I'm very well. How are you? Solid, thanks. Yeah, great. Come a bit closer to the microphone so we can to. hear yeah, your yeah, yeah, gorgeous yeah, right um, uh, dulcet tones. So, uh, first of all, how did you? What is your job? How did you get the job? And then let's talk about um, the first time you ever heard the phrase "sky glass." Off you go. Oh, I'm uh, so yeah. I'm the chief product officer at Sky. Uh, how I got my job, I've got no idea. <laughs> Um, just lucky, as always. Um, and yeah, we've been we've been working really hard over the last couple of years to make this thing that you're talking about today called Sky Glass. We're super excited to talk about. Right that. now, it was, it's been so secret. You know, it'd been it'd been sort of uh, simmering on the back burner for a while. I mean, there's a lot more energy in industry than that going on, of course. But um, whose brainchild was it? How you know, Sky are a broadcaster. They're a platform. And they're very good at what they do, um, you know, and they, they take different franchises, different formats, different genres of, of television and entertainment, and they, 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 exp- they detonate them into, to, 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 to celebrate and enjoy all their potential. But they're not designers and manufacturers of telly. This is, this is a, a game change, a gear change and then a game changer. How did it happen? Well, th- look, at just talking to customers and looking what's going on, right, I think... Uh Ultimately, if you look at how people are watching telly, it's changed dramatically. I remember being a kid, my best mate Melvin, his mum and dad had Sky, right? We used to go around and watch The Simpsons, it was legit. Yeah, and uh, so it was just all about live telly then, and we then Sky Plus came along because there was so much more stuff and you couldn't all watch it at once. And then after that, you know, on demand came, and after that you've got apps that yeah, are bringing yeah. more and more content. So that's just, that's just more and more content, and this is just a new way to help people find that. 
So, so an avalanche of content that was, was sort of threatening to be out of control. You can be overwhelmed by options. You can over, be overwhelmed by, by mecha- mechanics and the wrong or unhelpful or confusing interfaces um, to, to engage with. But was it, a partic- was it a person that said, let's make a telly? No, I, the, there's lots of people that said it. I mean, the beauty, the beauty of what we do at Sky, I think, is that it's a, there's no single license or, on creativity. And then one of the best things at working at Sky and at Comcast before is that there's no shortage of great ideas. And I think lots and lots of people said, you know what, let's do this. Because with that content, by the way, comes hundreds of remote controls. You've got, I don't know, a million remote controls in your house, I'm assuming. Of course you have, of yeah. course. And, and you'd that's be the problem. All this content comes with all, all the stuff. Floor, exactly. And exactly. the kids play yeah. with them because they don't know what they're for <laughs> exactly. and things like yeah. that. And you've got all these various wires. Now, I, I, when we were told about the concept, it seems so obvious, but then we had to get our heads around it well, we thought we did, but then once once we saw the concept for the first time, we realised that all the heavy lifting had been done on our behalf. It's not a make or break product for Sky, but it's a pretty big deal. It has to be said. Yeah. You know, it's right up there with some of the some of the biggest products, like the the iPhone, for example. You know, for, from a smartphone point of view, it is as a, it is as important and as game changing uh, as the iPhone was and remains. Um, and you were in charge of launching this, so you had to do the Steve Jobs esque launch, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was on stage. Yeah. Did you have the old Madonna mic and all that? Kind I of did. Stuff? I did have the Madonna mic. I'm used to that though because I'm I do, I do a lot of that at the weekend. <laughs> but uh, no, no. It was good. I really enjoyed it. Like I've got one job, and that is to make sure I show the team's work off and don't right. mess it up. That is my that is You've my only role. Fly the plane, man. <laughs> I would say I'm the face of the organisation, but you can see my face. So, <laughs> but you could also see mine. I can only apologise, especially right. today. Uh, but what was that like? I mean, were you nervous? Yeah, I'm quite nervous. Like I said, um, it's a lot. A lot of people put a lot of love and put a lot of themselves into it. So did you have to rehearse? And was there a script? Yeah, yeah, which is unnatural for me. I had to rehearse, and there was a script a wee bit. Yeah. So right. just make sure you hit all the right points. Yeah, I was going to say, and it is the job of anybody speaking in public to move the people they're speaking to. I mean, yeah. inform them, yes, but primarily move them. That's right. Uh, what were your, what was your sort of strategy for that? I think it's like the main thing that we try and do is make products that aren't for ourselves, like, and make them for customers. I mean, ultimately, the, the, the wonderful thing about Sky Glass is it's all about trying to make the best possible experience for the most possible people. If you are, like, up way, way, way up the high end, right, I'm guessing, you know, I mean, you've got some cool stuff in your house, so do I, then, then you know, I mean, that's awesome. But this this is for the, the, the most amount of people who have the best experience. So it's got amazing sound, right? You know, like Adobe Atmos sound in your home is not something loads and loads of people Without have. Without loads you can of speakers do that. or exactly. your, your ceiling having to be excavated exactly. or, or any of that kind of stuff yeah. going on. I mean, I can look. I could tell you what my house is like and what kind of cool stuff I've got. But Dane, who yeah. fitted the telly, yeah, not, and not just mine. Whilst we were away, by the way, <laughs> yeah. Dane, how was the house while we Was it okay? Yeah, did you make you? Did you help yourself to the free? I said Dane can help himself to anything he wants whilst he's there. That's a lethal. That's a dangerous thing to say. The Dane train is out of control when it comes to free I food. I think the Dane train is very rarely out. Yeah, yeah. I, if there's a train, <laughs> if there's a Dane train, I want to be on it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm the captain of the Dane train. How is it? How has it landed already? Because you know nowadays, you know pretty much whether something's a hit or not. How has yeah. it landed? So I think there's there's it's landed really really well. I think what it is um, is it's not Sky Q, right? Um, SkyQ is a great product and we've been we're still releasing like software to that now like this week and for the rest of the year it's, it does what SkyQ does plus some more stuff 
So it's definitely a new thing, right? It brings together the, all the best of streaming and all the best, the live TV and all the best on demand. So I think that is a new, it is a new concept that it really genuinely is. It's not just each thing. It's not an app on a box. And you have to go in each app. It's bringing it all together in one interface. As you said, it's a beautiful one at that. So it is a new thing. So like we do see a I load to of- lick it. You want to lick it? I want to lick it. As it does, it is delicious. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's quite lickable. You should probably see some. I bet it that. tastes of the programs that are on it. I bet you, I bet, I bet yes. Does it, I mean, where can it go here? Because, you know, when in Tesla's early days, you, you, bought, you bought a Tesla yeah. um, and then over the weekend, Tesla would send you an update for your car and yeah. you get in a different car on the Monday right. morning. What, so what, what's, what future-proofing is built into this? So we're doing software releases like almost once a week. So once every couple of weeks. So that, that is the big difference. Already just, in there. Yeah, and it always goes. So you're going to get it. You'll go to bed. You'll wake up in the morning and there'll be new stuff every couple of weeks. And that, that helps us do features. It helps Amazing. us fix things. It does all that great stuff. Right. So it has landed. Amazing. And we're really, really excited. Okay. Well, well done, pal. Yeah, pal. Oh, appreciate it. Thanks Have we for missed anything time. out that we need to tell people? Um, just that it's lickable. I think that's probably the <laughs> takeaway from the show, right? <laughs> You're not going to like it. You're going to want to lick it. All right, pal. Uh, thanks for being here. Cheers, mate. Okay. Ace, Fraser Sterling, um, one of the head honchos behind Sky Glass. Woohoo! The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you for listening to this podcast, the best bits from the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. And don't forget, subscribe now and you'll never miss a week of The Breakfast Show. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.